Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art. We come to you every Monday with a new story about what's going on in your world. I want to thank all the folks following us at Jesse Garcia Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. For more information about upcoming guests, visit jessegarciashow.com. I want to also welcome all the activists coming to this year's Creating Change Conference in Washington, D.C. Creating Change celebrates 30 years, and I'll be presenting a session on creating your own LGBTQ organization on Friday, January 26th at 6.30 p.m. at the Marriott Wardham Park Hotel near Woodley Park Metro Station. For more information about the conference, visit creatingchange.org. I want to give a special shout out to an amazing nonprofit, Brother Help Thyself. I traveled to Baltimore on Saturday, January 20th to attend a ceremony hosted by this DC Baltimore LGBTQ organization that represents the leather community. Brother Help Thyself awarded more than $75,000 to social services, health and education and art nonprofits that benefit the DC and Maryland LGBTQ community, including my nonprofit, Lulac Lambda, which got $1,000. The organization match funds we raised for our scholarship that will go toward a Latino scholar from the DC LGBT community. The event was held at the new Baltimore Eagle that celebrated one year at its new location on North Charles Street. Can't wait to go back, and this time I'm bringing my leather pants. And here's your weekly news update. Good news. The federal government shutdown looks to be over this week, as deals are being cut to keep the government running, with another continuing resolution that will last for three weeks. Bad news. Individuals benefiting from DACA, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals Program, were only given a promise in the Senate, not the House, that discussions on a permanent solution will be considered in early February. Meanwhile, 2,000 more youth will lose their DACA protections from deportation until the next round of talks. United We Dream, the largest immigrant youth-led organization in the United States, voiced its outrage to the latest development, stating, Promises won't protect immigrant youth from deportation. It's way past time for Congress to deliver a solution. The group is urging supporters to call 478-488-8059. That's 478-488-8059 to be connected to their Congress member and ask for immigrant youth to be protected. Fasten your seatbelts and get ready for a bumpy ride. We're going up close and personal with Alejandro Contreras, who's given us the tea about flying the friendly skies. Every week, Alejandro, along with more than 116,000 flight attendants, take to the skies to provide customer service to 2.5 million people who fly each day in the United States. According to the Department of Labor, employment of flight attendants is projected to grow 10% in the next decade. That's faster than any of the averages for all occupations. As airlines continue to replace smaller aircraft with new larger planes that can accommodate more passengers, additional flight attendants will be needed. Every year, thousands of people apply to become a flight attendant, hoping to experience travel and adventure, but not all candidates measure up to FAA standards. Only a select few get their wings. Today, we get a bird's eye view of what it takes to wear the uniform and live the life of a flight attendant. 
Now, welcome to Confessions of a Gay Flight Attendant. My guest today is Alejandro Conteras, who's been a friend of mine for like seven years already. He's actually the very first person, I guess, that was like my first best friend that I made in D.C. And, <laughs> and I'm so excited when I thought about launching this podcast and I needed characters Alejandro is the first one that popped into my head. He's had many jobs, at least 12 jobs in the last seven <laughs> years, some of them at the same time. Yes. Welcome to the show, Alejandro. Thank you, Jesse, for having me. Okay, we're going to talk about your current job, which is a flight attendant for a, a major... As a stewardess. Okay, <laughs> for a major in airline. We're not going to say which one. But I want to say, first of all, you're a very hard worker. I know you as a very hard worker. Um, there was a time when we were roommates and you actually had three jobs and you made it work because you're very committed. And then all of a sudden you came to me one day and told me you were going to become a flight attendant. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? So to me, I, ha I think about a lot of things about, you know, a crazy lifestyle that's just up and down. You're in different cities every day. So I'm just curious, what made you decide to become a flight attendant? And how was the training? Well, I decided to become a flight attendant because I, I really had a good job at the same at, at the time. I was working in a bank at a bank, and I was working at Macy's and at Starbucks, and I was kind of tired of the job. I was in a sales job, and you know it gets tiring. It's customer service, and then there's goals and whatnot until one day I literally googled what are the jobs that people enjoy the most and flight attendant came on top of the list there was and, and it's such a customer service type of job that in a field that you were already in yes exactly so I was I was reading into it and I mean a couple of years back I had seen flight attendants on my previous flights and I was like, oh, it might be an interesting job. I can wear a pencil skirt, a hat. <laughs> Fabulous. But then, you know, I had my regular nine to five job. And I said, well, I think I fill in the requirements. I looked and I had plenty of customer service experience. I'm bilingual. And, you know, I enjoy face to face interaction with people. And I said, well, let me let me give it a try. Let me apply. And. And then out. you made the cut. You actually went to go train. And just because you go train doesn't mean you're in. Tell me about the size of your class with this major airline and how how many weeks and the training involved. Yeah, it's really um, people don't understand how demanding it is and how how many people apply to become a flight attendant um, from 105,000 people that they interview. They only hired about 2000 people. So training is very intense. It's a seven week, six and a half week training. And, and it's Monday through Sunday. And your days can start from 7.45 a.m. And don't end until about 8 p.m. Is this uh, paid? No, it's not paid. Training is not paid. Um, they provide you with 
uh, hotel and food, and they give you twenty dollars per day, which is nothing. Yeah. You know, I can't even buy eyelashes with twenty dollars. <laughs> so, you know, but if you want it, of course you're gonna stick with it. So it's a it's a, it's a way of just really weeding out the people that are really not into it. Yeah, because. You know, in training, you already from the get-go lose a lot of people because, you know, you go in thinking, I mean, people think it's like a vacation. Oh, you know, I'm going to go to training and I'm just going to go and chill. And it's not. It's really hard work. It is studying. I don't think I even studied when I went to college like that. I mean, it's six and a half weeks that you're with... My class started with 60 people. Um, we only graduated 40 of us because we lost 20 in the six and a half weeks. And it's just studying day and night. I mean, you have to learn, you know, I work for a major uh, mainline. So we have all types of aircrafts. We have Airbuses. We have three different type of Airbuses. You have a Boeing 737. You have series 700, 800, 900. So all different type of airplanes requiring different type of ways of setting up the plane, taking it down, and safety regulations. Service, flow. Service and flow. Um, evacuation routes. Um, what to do in case of an emergency. Where is your emergency equipment? Um, so training is very intense. I mean, it's not like you're just going there to a hotel and chill and see little airplanes and learn city codes, as I thought when <laughs> I was going into. But no, it's it's pretty intense. And like I said, it was 60 of us who started training and only 40 of us graduated. So you go through all this hard training to get into this uh, career that's supposed to be fun but then you start working and you see the worst part of humans behavior. in the plane behavior. Yes. Tell us about your worst cases that you've experienced. And how long have you been a stewardess, a flight attendant? Stewardess, thank you. Um, well, I've been flying for about two and a half years. So, What are the worst ones? Spill the tea, girl. Girl, all tea, all shade, honey. Well... Um, I can tell you, I've had several because, you know, when you're dealing with, um, people every day, you know, they, it's, we have this theory amongst flight attendants that they enter like a different dimension, you know, like kind of like stranger things, mm -hmm. you know, it's like <laughs> they're in a different world. I mean, I just feel like the people just things because we're in a tube and there's we're at 35,000 feet that they become helpless, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm like, no, sweetie, you're still on planet Earth. I mean, <laughs> we're just at 35,000 feet. But um, one of the worst experiences I've had is, you know, of course, as a gay stewardess, um, you know, there's still certain people that, you know, are not, not OK, are not comfortable. You know, um, they're from the country and, you know, they've never for, they might not have taken a flight before or and then you know you have this queen that comes in down the aisle you know and they're very very uncomfortable with you sometimes so i had an experience with a passenger that was traveling with his brother um and we were we were preparing the cabin um to close the aircraft and you know start taxiing to take off so we at that point when the 
the door of the cabin um, is closed, then we need all passengers to be seated with their seatbelts fastened and all items stowed. So they will not comply with crew member instructions, which is one of the biggest things. And we, we kept asking him, sir, you need to take your seat. We need all passengers seated in order for us to start taxing. And then we can start the safety double, which is my favorite part, you know. <laughs> And but nobody ever pays attention. But nobody ever pays attention. I they, I've, yeah, everybody falls asleep, and I'm like, okay, I want to see you when we crash, and then you Thank guys you. don't know what to do. Thank you. But um, going back to the situation, he would not sit down, and then he requested for us to sell to um, sell him alcohol, and I said, well, at this time we're not able to to give you any alcohol. I'll give you a glass of water. He said, well, if I wanted water, I would have asked for water. I said, oh, no, honey. We're not going to go there right now, okay? <laughs> we're not going to start, honey. But I said, well, once we're in the air, I'll be more than glad to offer you a cocktail. Well, the man still would not go to his seat. So then it was four of us working that aircraft. All four of us asked the gentleman to take his seat, and he wouldn't until I had it. I said, look. We are ready to go. You're holding 138 passengers because you don't want to take your seat. And then he turns around, looks at his brother, and he said, look at this faggot trying to tell me what to do. Oh, my God. Isn't it like breaking a federal law or something by not sitting down and holding up? Yeah, well, th at, at that point, you're not willing to comply with crew member instructions, which is... An FAA, you know, it's a regulation. So at that point, you know, I will, we have to do something about it. But first, sweetie, I had to address the way he talked to me. Yeah. You know, I said, mm-mm. I said, you know something, sweetheart? He's like, oh, don't call me sweetheart. And, you know, I was being extra at that point. Yeah. I said, okay, cupcake. Oh, Honey, he, he, he could not clock it. And I yeah. said, he's like... Blah, 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 talking to his brother. I said, let me tell you something really quick. I said, I might be a faggot. In fact, you are correct. But guess who's in charge of this aircraft? This faggot right here. So either you take a seat or I'm going to have to go get the captain and we can deal with it. You know, needless to say, I had to go get the captain. And then the captain authorized me to remove him from the flight. You had to physically and, remove it or yeah. they brought in security? No, we actually, you know, because he was not being... Uh, physically aggressive so he the captain told me i'm gonna i'm gonna let you handle it i said Ooh, perfect honey <laughs> fabulous <laughs> so that's when that's been like one of the so he got removed he got removed and then you know we went on our way yeah so but what are the common things that really get under your skin with some of these passengers especially because this is the holiday season. People are coming back from the holidays, flying. What are the common things that you just wish people would think about before they board an airplane? Well, a lot of the, um, you know, a lot of the, what really, especially during the holidays, because it's so busy and there's so many flights, especially at our major hubs, is that people don't understand that it's not the flight attendant's fault that there are delays. Yeah. You know, it's not the flight attendant's fault that uh, your bag cannot make it on board. You know, sometimes, you know, there there are different fares that they offer. You know, of course, if you're going to buy the cheapest with all the restrictions, then chances are 
you can't bring any carry-ons, you know. And then I, I understand that by the time they get on the plane, you know, they already woke up, they took public transportation, they went through security, then they get to the aircraft, and of course, you know, they unleash all their demons with the flight attendants, which, you know, they should understand that we're there to take care of them. You know, I'm, I'm here to make your flight, you know, more enjoyable and, and make you comfortable, but there are limits, you know, there, you know, I'm not going to let you walk all over me just because you just feel entitled. People just need to act right. Yeah. Be exactly. respectful, be adults. Now, let's flip the coin. Talk about handsome passengers. Ooh, handsome. Have you ever flirted with one? Well, um, I can either confirm or deny that question. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, yeah. it, it, it's, it's bound to happen. Of course, you know that you, we have passengers that are very attractive. And then you have cool girls. And then you have the queens that I love, you know. But some of them be pushing it, though. Sometimes they really try. Has anybody ever touched you inappropriately? Yes. I mean, they're... You're coming down the hall, the the, 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 aisle. Little, the aisle, handing out peanuts, and then somebody grabs your tush. Has that happened? Yes. You know, there's there's people that are out there. I mean... Have you ever caught anyone doing sex? Oh, girl, you're... Doing the so sex. Intense. Oh, my God, I'm getting, like, red. Um, maybe. Okay. Maybe. Trying. Trying, trying but I'm like, don't try it, honey, because... <laughs> I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you. You know, I'm gonna need you to remove those blankets. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, because they're hiding under the blankets. Yes, you know, they're, they're, they're shady. They're shady. Especially these queens on these red eyes. Yes, let me tell you. You go from city to city. Yes. So, do you, is it an adventure? Yeah, you get to travel abroad. So, yeah, you get, yeah. you get a, how many hours in your layover where you fly into a city in Europe and you're there for how long before you have to take the next flight out? I mean, it, it all depends. There, there are different flights, but I mean, you know, I was just in Germany. It was a three-day trip. I had a 30-hour layover, which is, for most people, it was like, oh, 30 hours is it's not like a, a vacation. Lot. But for flight attendants, 30 hours, sweetie, that's a lot. I could do a lot of damage in 30 hours, okay? <laughs> you feel me? I mean, 30 hours is like, you know, it's, it's a great layover. You know, you get, because we are working, but I'm telling you, not doing shit. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm there free, you know, yes. once I walk off the aircraft and... So do you have boyfriends in every city? Oh, girl, I got a man <laughs> in every port. <laughs> no, see, that's one thing that um, that's very, like, the people have a misconception about flight attendants. Mm -hmm. um, because, yes, it is really easy. I mean, you know, you go to every, to every different city, every many cities, city. many countries, and, you know, you get a hotel... You have food, and then you know you have these beautiful dating apps, yes. ChristianMingles.com. <laughs> um, you know, and it's really easy. But I mean, I guess it all depends on whatever you're looking for, you know. Yeah. But I might. Now you told me an incident once because a flight attendant getting serious about your job. Yes. It is an important job. You're actually. Also, a first responder. Yes, you have I'm to a be safety ambassador. Safety and ambassador, because you actually, when you're at thirty-five thousand feet, someone has a medical emergency. You, you're just a flight attendant, but you put on a, a sort of like you step in this 
the role of a like a medical professional, um, you have to know how to do CPR. Yeah, CPR. Yeah, we do. Um, that's part of the training. Mm-hmm. You know, we go through different scenarios of things that could happen. You know, and something did happen. And something did happen. I mean, medical emergencies are very common. You know, you get the people that are hungover and didn't eat, and then you know they're running through the airport, and then they're blood sugar drops and you know they're they pass out but there are some serious ones like you know heart attacks um people giving birth on a plane <laughs> um i had a i had a co-worker that actually had a girl deliver her baby oh on a flight God. i mean i personally had to do cpr on a passenger which is very intense, you know. I'm not. How big lie. was this person? Because you're only 150. <laughs> well, this. I mean, I don't know. Maybe like two ten, twenty mm-hmm. is. It was like. So you had to pound that chest. I sure did, honey. Oh. I mean, God. it was. It was. You know, you don't really realize. One thing is just doing it on the dummy. Yeah. You know, when you're in training, and the the real thing is when you feel the person's ribs breaking as you make your way through to make sure that you know you get that was he able was, was he able to survive yeah oh wow yeah. so you saved a life yeah all right use your powers for good okay all right call me wonder woman <laughs> okay now flight attendants used to be all women and then you're out by 30 okay and they and, used to wear you honey and, and they ooh, used to wear you oh girlfriend baby we will be short on flight attendants. <laughs> <laughs> but let me tell you now that those rules are lifted and you can work to retirement there's got to be a hierarchy talk about it sure is i mean it's all about the seniority it's all about the senior mamas honey they be running (laughs) the airlines i mean that's we don't have a way to per se move up unless you want to go to admin and be like a base supervisor or do Mm Basically, the but if you training want, yeah, and all that. training a trainer or special assignments, somebody that, that things, basically yeah. schedules, yeah. So, but if you want to continue to be a flight attendant, um, there's not really anything that can put you ahead of other people. I mean, I get an advantage because I'm a speaker, I speak different languages, so you know, you can get an advantage because you get used more than a person that only speaks one, lang- one language mm-hmm. or. If you're qualified to be like a lead flight attendant, mm-hmm. stuff like that, but it's nothing major, nothing that I really I can't do or, yeah. or Susie Stu can't do either. Mm-hmm. But seniority, seniority rules. Yeah. So basically, if you have more years under the belt, you get to say who works what part of the plane. Well, you get to choose what flights you want to work. The more senior you are, the better um, managing of your schedule. Is, it works for you. Like, if I have, you know, 20 years seniority, then um, I'll be able to hold better trips for this month. You know, people that are very junior, like, they're on call. They're on reserve. Like, me this month. Mm-hmm. This month, because I, I transferred to D.C., it's a very senior base. Yeah. Um, I'm on call this month yes. because I can't. My so, basically, the, like, the very first couple of years that you're with the airlines you're basically at the low totem pole so you're like working the shifts you're at their mercy i mean they can call you at one in the morning when you're on call and they they give you a four-hour report time and they'll be like we need you at um dulles airport at 5 a.m you know so you're just you know you got to put your put in your years before you can actually 
get and hold trips that you actually want. Now, you're getting into this career, but the more senior um, flight attendants actually have also other careers. Is that yeah, true? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And that's one, one thing, you know, because the job itself, you know, we... Is it a 40-hour a week job? It's not. It's, it's very hard to understand because the schedule is very different, you know. Um, we work... I want to say, you know, an average, I mean, somebody that likes to work like 110 hours a month and you're going to say, oh, 110, that's like nothing, you know, because yeah. usually you will work like 160 on a regular job. But we're talking about 110 at flight time because we only get paid from when the door closes to when the door opens. But you're forced to sleep in hotels you know, in other yeah, cities. Yeah, but, you know, you also have to take an account of, like, the hours that you spend on your layovers. And then, you know, the time for you to get to airport. And then you're checking. And then you brief with the crew. You go over through, through like, how many passengers you're going to have. So all of that, it's not taking into the 110 hours that you can fly a month. Yeah. So tell me about... Who's the right type of person to become a flight attendant? And who are the ones who shouldn't even okay. sash away? Let me tell you, because that's one common thing that I get it every single day. Oh, I always wanted to be a flight attendant. Oh, I would love to be a flight attendant. Oh, I love people. Oh, I love to fly. Blah, blah, blah. Your life is so nice. You know, you get to spend days here and there. But it's not, it's not all that. You know, I do want people to understand that like i mentioned earlier we're safety ambassadors you know because when shit hits the fan then we're the we're the front line of defense you know because there's nobody else so i i mean i a great candidate will be someone that is always um ready for change you know somebody that's that can adapt easily to change somebody that has personal skills like you know likes dealing with people that doesn't mind confrontation that doesn't mind how to say no because sometimes you have to say no um and you know that has a great sense of humor because you will need it you need a great sense of humor i mean I can tell you, you know, there's some flight attendants that should not be flight attendants. <laughs> and if you're one of them, I will let you know, honey. Because if I get to work with you, you know, I like to have fun. I like to make it as easy and enjoyable. But, you know, a lot of people just go into this job thinking, oh, I'm just here for the flight benefits. And I'm just going to travel the world for free and, you know, do this and do that. But it doesn't work that way. I mean, yes, we do have amazing benefits. But there's a job to do. I mean, there is some some days can be easy, but some days you work 14 hours, you know, a 14 hour day versus a normal person. And there's also the fact that you can't be drinking. Yeah. And then you can't, you know, when you're on drug tested. Yeah. We get randomly drug, drug tested and alcohol tested. You know, sometimes you land and you see the lady with the clipboard at the at the door and then, you know, they'll be like, OK, you and you come with me and. We're going to randomly test you because, you know, we have to be ready. We have to be fully present when we're at work in case of anything happens. You know, after 9-11, things that just the airline industry changed a lot. So tell me, have you ever been through turbulence? Oh, yes. Every day. I mean, turbulence now puts me to sleep, to oh be honest God. with you. You know, it's just like I was like, OK, it's rocking me to sleep. I was like, I got to wake up. 
But I've had bad turbulence. You know, I had an experience. I went to Paris and coming back, I actually was out of work for two weeks because, you know, we have the, the carts that we yes. use that we bring in the aisle when we serve your Coke and your peanuts and your meals are very heavy. They can weigh up to 200 pounds. So imagine we hit clear air and we dropped a couple of feet. So the carts just went in the air and one of them landed on my knee. Mm. So I was, I was out for an injury for like three weeks. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. When I go through turbulence on flights, it's praying, praying, grabbing onto that girl. And I'm thinking, why do I put myself to this? Why don't I just take the butt? Why didn't I take the burro like always? But no, I get on this plane and it's like a roller coaster ride. And it's just like, it's the most horrible. You're not going to die, but it still scares you. And it no longer affects you? No. I mean, and that's one thing that I always tell, because we, we have people that have hi- hyperventilate, we have people that go crazy, that start crying, you know, people that get motion sickness, and I just tell them, like, you will not die because of turbulence. I mean, that's why how the planes are designed, you know? They're designed, they have wings, honey, so they can <laughs> balance it out, and yes, you know, it might be a little shaky, and it might, like, toss and turn and do all this, but... You know, turbulence itself will never bring a plane down, you know, because it, it has to have a certain, too many things to for it to, for it to, yeah, to, 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 to short circuit. Yeah. Yeah. But, Do you think you're going to be doing this for a couple of more okay, years? I'm going to be seeing your mama. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be here. I'm going to have these newbies in 30 years hating me because I'll be holding Narita in <laughs> Paris and you know I mean I I truly love the job um you know there's some days that I get home and I'm like oh my god what am I doing like you know this is too much and people are crazy and they don't have common sense but at the end of the day you know I do enjoy my job and I think you know people say it a lot if you enjoy what you do you're literally not working. So, I mean, I do enjoy, I, you know me, so yeah. I love people interaction. I make friends with the dogs on the street, <laughs> the birds. I mean, you know, talk and I'll talk to anything. So it's it's a great job. It's, you know, for me, it's more of a career than, than just a job. And I think that makes a difference. Um, but yeah, hopefully, you know, if I don't get fired. Well, thank you so much for being uh, here on the show and for uh, sharing your experience. I hope you return back on another occasion for maybe like a co-host eventually in the future. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Alejandro. Thanks so much for having me and I will see you guys 